Thank you, everybody. I, I must say that David's left his things here. I can't see the people on my right, so I'll move them and come back and fix them. So, thank you so much. I, <laughs> I must be honest. For me, this is this crowd with this weather. I didn't expect people at church. I thought we'd be speaking to people just online. But uh, I can see people who follow Jesus are true worshippers, you know. They come, come rain, come storm, they are here. So no, we thank, we thank the Lord for that. And for those who are watching at home, we want to greet you as well. And we want to apologize for any technical difficulties that you are facing. Um, but yeah, we know that God works through all situations. Whether the signal is good, whether it's bad, it will penetrate through your heart and do the work that you want to do anyway. So, for those who don't know who I am, my name is Baba Lotekiso, and like my kids, now they know the line. It is a privilege and an honor. So now when I say, my name is Baba Lotekiso, they're like, and it is mine, and then they repeat the word. So I'm hoping you guys have caught on that as well. So yeah, it's my privilege to serve this community, and it's been an interesting year, right? From, <laughs> from January, when we all came here, and I remember it was February the 1st, and we were all excited about the vision that we had for the year. And all of us were pumped, and we said, yes, let's do this. And then we came with a calendar, and we put everything out and said, this is what we're doing this year. And we were all excited. And just a week before we started with our initiatives, In fact, we had already, there was a question of, do we continue or don't we continue? And life happened, right? And this was a big reminder for us who believe in God, that this is not our permanent place. And in this place, we are not guaranteed anything. So if we don't have anyone that we hope to, or if we don't have anyone that we believe in, as our strength, as our hope, then we are in trouble. Because we found ourselves locked in our homes, cut out of relationships and friendships. We had to depend on technology. And life was not the same anymore. So God has been teaching us a few things over this period of time. But also, we then started doing the series in the book of Acts. And like I've been saying every week, I don't know about you, but when God laid this series in my heart, because he's laid it a long time ago. And I thought, ah, we'll do it maybe in 2021. And we had we just started doing the Ephesians series, actually, before lockdown happened. We did two, two parts of the eight-week series. But we couldn't continue anymore because we had to shift with the time. And when we started descending with the team whether we should continue and pick up the Ephesians series, we just felt God leading us to this book of Acts. And what a time to be talking about the book of Acts. Because remember, the community in the book of Acts will found themselves in their own kind of lockdown as well. Remember when Jen was speaking about this community and they were all locked in the upper room because they were scared of what was happening outside. They were scared of the persecution. They were scared that the one they called the master is now gone. Then what? But the empowerment of the Holy Spirit came. And that gave them boldness to go out. And when they went out, they started doing things that people never thought they could do. They, Peter, who denied Christ three times, stood in front of 3,000 people 
and he did something that he couldn't do to a slave girl when he said, you, I know you, you're his follower. He denied Jesus when they were just few. But when the empowerment came on him, he stood in front of us and said, I'm coming out. Yes, I'm his follower. So when we come out of the lockdown, as we are seeing slowly, the president opening up, how are we going to come out? How are we coming out of the lockdown? So this series is teaching us how the disciples came out of their own lockdown and what they started doing. When they came out of the lockdown, the first thing they did, they started understanding who they were as a community. They started treating each other differently. They started loving one another with the Jesus kind of love. They started behaving in ways that they would never have behaved had it not been of the Holy Spirit. So, we're going to talk about a tough subject today. Because as they came out of the lockdown, stuff was happening. There were those who used to fight with them who started joining them. But there were also those who continued to fight with them. And they, remember, these people were coming out of a culture, a system that behaved in a certain way. Now, once you are empowered by the Holy Spirit, you can't go with the world system anymore. Because now you've received something that is beyond yourself. You start behaving in ways that you can't even control yourself. So, over the past few weeks, we've touched on different subjects. But today, I'm hoping that we can look at Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 11, and then we're going to Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. But then I'm hoping that we'll also touch on Acts chapter 8, because all of these are all connected. So, we're going to read first from Acts chapter 10. And the background, basically, when we read from verse 23, the background of this is that now Philip has been killed. The disciples are now starting to scatter. Only the apostles are staying in Jerusalem. And when this thing is happening, the disciples, from Philip to other guys, they are going to different places around Jerusalem. It's 10, Acts chapter 10. So Peter is found in his home, hungry, in Acts chapter 10. And we've read stories of Philip and other people who were running away from persecution, but as they were running away, they were doing stuff out there. We're going to touch on it just now. But Peter is sitting in his home and he's hungry and they're preparing food for him. And they say to us in the afternoon. And as Peter is chilling and waiting, he falls into a trance and he falls asleep. And during this time, he gets a vision. And the vision is, he sees a sheet of food coming down. And this sheet of food that's coming down has different kind of animals from birds to reptiles. And a voice says to him, Peter, wake up and eat. And Peter says, the Bible says a voice said, but Peter's response says, no Lord. So Peter 
understood that it was God who was talking to him. And he says, no Lord, I'm not going to eat. Because these animals that I'm seeing now are all the animals that are unhealthy, that are clean. And then God says to him, do not call anything that I call clean unclean. Therefore, take and eat. So, this in Leviticus chapter 11, in the old law, God gave Moses laws to give to the Israelites and said, these are the animals you can eat. These are the animals you could not eat. So the Jews grew up with that culture and they did not eat certain food and certain meat because God said it was unclean. So, when Peter gets this vision, God is about to shift everything. But Peter doesn't understand what God is doing yet. Because God was about to send some men to Peter's house. Men that Peter, if he had not received this vision, would have chased them away. But because he's not received the vision, he hears God say, there are people who are downstairs. When they come, don't fight with them. Go with them. And because it's God who's given him that vision, <laughs> this is another important thing. God never gives us ways that he hasn't confirmed with other people. So that when people come to say, Tyra, I hear God is saying you must move to Jerusalem. God would have protected that and told you to wait until he brings confirmation to someone else. So Peter receives this because God has already spoken to Cornelius. So when they come, they go to him. And he says, God says, go with them, don't question. So we pick up the story. When Peter has now gone with the man, and now he's entering Cornelius' house. So when we read there, from verse 23 to verse 29, the next day Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. So he didn't go alone. He went with some of the believers. The following day, <laughs> that means it was a long journey because the following day they arrived. So the following day, the following day they arrived at Colonia's house who was expecting them and had called them together, <laughs> his relatives and his close friends. There is a party going on here. <laughs> there is an expectation going on. Cornelius is expecting Peter. Because he's expecting him, he says, I don't want him to come and find me alone. I'm going to get my sisters, my relatives. He sees it as a big deal. So, when Peter entered the house, verse 25, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him to get up. He says, stand up, Cornelius. I'm only a man like yourself. I'm only a man myself. So, we see a humbled Peter here. A Peter who's seen the model from the humility of Jesus. Where when he understands that the only person to be worshipped is God, not man. So he made his he seen Jesus. People falling at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus says, No, no, come, stand up. So he's following that model and he says, Come, stand up, Cornelius. I'm only a man. While talking to them, verse 27, Peter went inside 
and found a large gathering of people. I think he was surprised, like how? I thought I'm just coming to Cornelius. What is this? And then he said to them, you are all aware that it's against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. They don't tell us Peter has greeted. They don't tell us, besides the thing that happened at the door with Cornelius, he doesn't greet. He, doesn't, he just says, whoa, whoa, before I say hello, remember I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not, if they know I'm here, oh, it's going to be trouble. No, this is a man who's humble, right? At the door. But the man who's humble is also carrying some burdens in him. He says, you know I'm not supposed to be here. But then he says, but God. <laughs> but God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Now, let's go back to the metaphor. The animals were not animals. They were people. Because Peter, listen to Peter, he says, but God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. But in the vision, there was no people. It was just animals. So the animals were used as a metaphor for the Gentiles. Because the Gentiles were seen as unclean people that the Jews hated. But Peter says, I have now received the revelation that I should not call anyone unclean or impure. Now, immediately after Peter says that, we move to verse 44. He gives them this whole speech about Jesus and this, this, Jesus who was killed by these guys. Da, da, da. He gives them a lecture. In verse 44, the Bible says, while Peter is giving them a lecture, while he was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. Now, remember, Peter left with some believers that were with him. It means they're experiencing all of this. It means they were carrying the same attitude as Peter. They are also standing there thinking, we are not supposed to be here, but what we are seeing here can only be God. And just when they were wondering, what? The same spirit that came at Pentecost fell upon them. Can you believe it? Because if these people were unclean, the Holy Spirit wouldn't come upon them. So God is saying to Peter, I'm about to shift all of this. Now let's go back to the beginning. I want us to pause. Why is Peter's behavior problematic in this thing? It is problematic because when the Messiah, before he ascended to heaven, he left them with a great commission. What was the great commission? Go therefore into, into all nations. Now, it's problematic because Peter is not following the great commission. But because he's received the revelation, the great commission is now getting unfolded and unpacked in front of his eyes. 
Now, number two, why is this problematic? It's problematic because when Jesus was telling them, do not leave Jerusalem, it said in Acts 1.8 that we've already spoken about, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power to do what? You will receive power to share the gospel where? In Judea, in Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Who stayed in Judea? Who stayed in Samaria? The Gentiles. So Jesus twice prepared these people and said, when the Holy Spirit comes, this is where you are going to share the gospel. But before persecution happened, they only stayed in Jerusalem. So the Great Commission was not happening. Act 1 was not happening. God is shifting Peter's heart. God is transforming. <laughs> Listen, Peter was already healing people. Remember, the 3,000 came to know the Lord because of Peter. So Peter was doing God's work. Peter was being used by God. But Peter carried his own faith. Where did they come from? They came from historical teachings from his great, 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 great parents and the Lord. So God is saying, I'm about to shift your heart, Peter. While I want you to go to Cornelius' house to be used by me, I also want to work in your heart. So God can be using us like he's using me now and simultaneously be working in me. So I can be a vessel that is work under focus. And sometimes, as believers, we think just because we believe and we are serving, God is now not finished with us. He's now just using us to, you know, we, we have this big headed mentality. I'm only here to bless others because, man, I'm all sorted. I'm fine. And as you all hear me when I speak in this church, the day you get to that time, call me. I will call on the Holy Spirit to come and make you Peter here and go be with Jesus because your time here is finished. <laughs> you know why? Because, because, listen, you cannot be here on earth and claim to be a perfect human being and claim that you don't need work. It doesn't matter how mature you believe you are in Christ. God still works in our heart day to day. And we need to always be open to what he wants to do through us and in us. So we can never get enough teaching from God. Right? So now, when Jesus was giving them these two commissions, he knew what he was doing. Jesus knew that when I say go to Samaria, <laughs> I'm giving you a tough assignment. Because these are the people that you consider tough breeds. These are the people that you didn't even want to go through their town when you wanted to go to Judea. You went, people from Galilee would go through, around to go to Judea. And Jesus came and did what? And went through Samaria. So he says, when I go, you must go through there. So he knows he's giving them a tough assignment. 
Because these are not people that they are supposed to associate with. So what did they need? They needed the helper through the Holy Spirit that was going to transform their hearts. Because without transformed hearts, they would not be able to serve. They would not be able to love the people that they were taught to hate. They would not be able to advance the gospel. You know, in Acts 8, when you look at Philip, Philip is behaving different from Peter. Because Peter was a Jew from the Hebrew side. Philip was a Jew from the Greek side. So the Greeks, ah, they were just free people. When Philip went to Samaria, he went to Samaria without, he, when persecution happened, he went to Samaria. To where? To the same people that the Jews are supposed to hate. He healed people. He did amazing work there. But when Peter is going out, he's running. So do you see that sometimes we can know some things in the head, but the heart still needs to be transformed. Sometimes we can know that, hey, we need to love one another as blacks and whites, as Indians and whatever, because it's here. But when we have to practically leave it out, <laughs> it's tough. Why? Because without the Holy Spirit, in our own strength, we are doomed. So Jesus knows that these people need my help to go out and do this. Because my, without my help, they are doomed. They, Philip, Peter, all of these people can only do this if they are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Because at the time when they were living, the system didn't allow for this kind of behavior. It's only through Jesus. That is why when you see Acts 2.42, people selling their houses, giving money away, and saying, let there be no poor amongst us. Everyone was like, who are these people? What are they doing? Why are they looking after the widows like this? Because the system at the time oppressed the widows. But they bring widows and look after them. So you could see that they were going against the stream through the help and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So, before we start judging Peter, we need to remember, Peter was carrying a historical wound, was carrying a historical teaching, and in his eyes, he was doing the right thing. When Peter refused for the sheet of animals, when he was refusing to eat that, he was thinking he's obedient. Because he was following the law. So, Peter, even me, I would have thought, ah, you're trying to test if I'm, I'm following, eh? Now I'm not eating, I'm following. I'm still here with the law. Even me, if you say to me, don't do this, I will, I will, I mean, I will oblige. You know? My friend is a, is a black Jew. I don't know if you know about the black Jews. And he grew up being told he mustn't eat pork. So he comes home one day and he's hungry. And his sister has just left for work and has left some meat in the fridge. And he sees the meat and he's like, hmm, this smells nice. And he eats everything. Two days later, his sister comes back because I think she was working somewhere where they stayed. Comes back and says, hi man, where's my meat now? And my friend says, ah, I'm sorry, I ate it. And 
She says to him, you know you ate pork. You're going to laugh. Two days later, ne, my friend vomited. <laughs> because now there's an idea in his head. Huh? I ate what? Pork. <clears throat> oh, let me not do that because it might. It doesn't sound well. It doesn't sound well. But my friend is killing a burden in his heart. That even when food has been digested and probably out already, he still wants to vomit because he's killing something that he was taught. That is not. So he gets married. We go with him to the wedding. He comes back. We book him the same hotel. Then the following day, they go on honeymoon. We had breakfast. And the day before, the uncles. They said nothing to the bride, but they emphasized one thing. If you dare cook pork for our son. So now you're sitting there. He says, ah, when I ate pork, I didn't die. Bacon. <laughs> now he's a free man. Because he's realized that, no man, this thing that they said I mustn't eat didn't kill me. Yes, I vomited because, but then after that he realized, no. This thing is lovely. They've been denying me such a ah, ah. and now, and now, pork and him, <laughs> same matter. Look, I'm turning into a comedian, and I'm not. Let me continue with uh, with God's word. But the important point I'm trying to make is that Peter, like my friend, his eyes are being opened by God. His heart is being transformed by God. Because that which he used to see as unclean is now he's seeing it as clean. He's now not using his historical background, historical culture, and historical teaching that was oppressing even him. And now he's seeing people. That is why here at Following Jesus, our tagline is that we need to work first on our inward journeys. Because you see, Peter, his inward journey when it came to this issue hadn't been dealt with. And only when God had dealt with it that his outward journey can impact those around him. Because now, as he was speaking, the Holy Spirit comes in power. God is starting to use him in a society, in a group of people that he never thought he could use. So, we see it's important for us now, this is interesting, right? Because this is in Caesarea, or whatever they call it. Now, you read later, years later, who Peter, to show that sometimes even when God works in us, he needs to be patient with us. Because we don't just immediately learn and grow. It takes some time for us to grow out of our bad habits. <laughs> So, Peter goes to Antioch and he's sitting there with the Gentiles and he's eating. We are now in Galatians chapter 5, verse 11. And he's eating with them. Probably bacon, I'm joking. He's eating with them. And other Jews come from Jerusalem. And Peter sees them come. <clears throat> so, I'm coming. I'm going to take a call. I'm coming. And he moves away from them. He doesn't want to 
want to be seen with the Gentiles. God continues to work in us and God is very patient with us. Because he keeps teaching us the same thing over and over and over. And we are stubborn, we are not getting it. Sin keeps us captive and God is like, I'm still here. Again, I'm going nowhere. But then, but then something happens. This time, Peter has a different crowd. There's a Paul in the mix. He's not going with those believers who were just standing and watching him. Now he has a Paul. A Paul who's now transformed. Who was Paul? He was Saul. Who was Saul? The one who was persecuting the church. The one who hated Christians. God has transformed that hatred into love. So Paul understands the meaning of what the gospel does inside people. Because if a sinner like him can be saved, they can never be a Gentile that is closed outside of God's grace. So Paul uses his experience and he confronts Peter. He says, Peter, come here. Mm-mm, come here. But let's read because the last line is important. Verse 11 says, But when Peter came to Antioch, I, Paul, had to oppose him to his face, for what he did was very wrong. Why is it wrong? Because when he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends from, of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. Why didn't he eat with them? He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on some necessity of circumcision and some following of the Jewish law. Now, verse 13 is what I want us to focus on. As a result of that, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy. Now, not just others. Even Barnabas was led astray by Peter's hypocrisy. Okay, now, I want us to pause here because this is important. Our behavior as a church and as Christians can lead other people astray. Who are we? We are the light carriers. We are the hope carriers. We are the love carriers. We are the grace carriers. We are the truth carriers. Now, when we enter spaces and we behave in ways that don't represent Christ, we're not just misleading those who don't know Christ. We can even mislead those who know Christ. So we can never be hypocrites. And this is important. We can never be hypocrites. We can never enter spaces and enjoy each other's company here. But in our own homes, only people of a certain race can come. In our work, only people of a certain race can be promoted. In our work, only certain genders can be welcomed. That is hypocrisy. At its best. That is why here, at Following Jesus, 
Only God's rule rules here. And that rule is that every time, every nation is welcomed here. And not just welcomed, it's their home too. It's not just their home too. They will be seen, they will be accepted, and they will participate. This is key for us as a church. When we say diversity is part of our five priorities, no, it's not there for fun. No, we leave it out because we understand under this roof is people of different nations that God has brought together. And therefore, we cannot be hypocrites. We cannot behave in a way that's still holding us back from old systems. Now, I want to touch on something that's very important. And this is a practical thing that has happened in our generation today. Some of you might be <coughs> aware, <coughs> some of you might not. If you have heard of Breckenfell High, please raise your hand. Thank you. Now, do you see? There is an issue here. Because some Christians continue to protect certain behaviors that we continue to see in a messed up country already. So some people, for those who might not be aware of this story, it's a high school where white students invited only white other students for a metric dance and invited only some white teachers to that metric dance. And the school is diverse. Now, this, I need to mention, was a private event. It was not a school event. So, me, I'm a pastor following Jesus, and I say, I'm going to have a bride at my house. It's not a following Jesus bride. But that bride, only darkies must come. And the invite stays like that. Only black people must come to the bride. No, but it's, it's not a following Jesus thing. It's my private thought. You can't blame me. I can have anyone I want in my house. So this is an argument. The argument is that only because it's a private party, anyone can invite anyone. But I'm going to respond to this according to how my friend responded to it, who's a pastor down the road chain for it. He says, what's wrong with the white-only metric ball party? Or perhaps an all-white teaching staff? Or an all-white eldership team? Or a denomination top structure that is only white? Or a very white neighborhood with no black people? Or a friendship group that is only white? Or do you want me to continue? This is him right he said, do you know why it's wrong? Sorry. He's a pastor from a church down the road. And he says, do you know why this is wrong? He says it's wrong because it denies us as South Africans of the beauty of diversity. It denies us of the beauty of diversity. What is this diversity? This is the diversity that God has gone to great lengths to redeem. Because it was through Christ that we are now one new man in God. 
So any behavior from us that is working against God's design should not be welcomed. Whether it's in my private home or whether it's in my private work or friends. Because it's denying the beauty of diversity that it offers. Number two, he continues to say, it denies this country taking another step towards healing because it's a wounded country. We are a wounded people living in a wounded society and anything that's going to cause that wounding should not be welcomed because we are on a journey of healing. So things like this, they cause us to move stepwards and not forward. When political parties interfere, they are playing their own political game. But that is working against us because we are people of God. So we should not try to reason our way out of injustice because it's ungodly. It doesn't align with God. So, we see Peter being confronted by Paul and saying, Paul, when are Peter? What you are doing now supporting Brecken and Fell, Brecken Fell something, something. What you are doing, it's hypocrisy. It's hypocrisy because you can see that it's not helping. It's taking us backwards. So, what are we learning from Paul? We are learning from Paul that it's not enough for Peter to say he doesn't hate Gentiles, but he prefers to be away from Gentiles. Because isn't it that what the excuse we use sometimes? I don't hate white people, but I prefer them away from me. Yeah, no, we are okay there, but not here. And at that time, King Zaloan, I'm a fully fresh Christian, tongue speaking, praying for three hours every morning and evening. So Peter is saying, uh uh-uh, it's not enough for you. I mean, Paul says it's not enough for you to be non. Let me bring it to today's context. He says it's not enough for you to be non racist, Peter. I want you to be anti racist. Because a non racist is someone who just tolerates, it's someone who says, I'm okay with you, Kevin. But, no matter. I mean, I'm okay. I can talk to you. But, and when you see something that's wrong, when you see someone being mistreated, you do nothing. 